0: Thank okay.
1: In your face uh welcome aboard the soul train tonight we've got our favorite special guest in the whole wide world and that is mr kenra cooper did i say that right did i pronounce your name right uh for those of you that's wondering who he is perfect. you can yeah good good uh, because that's as good as i'm gonna get with it uh for those of you who are wondering who kenny is uh kenny is uh, he is not a professional troll i can promise you that but some people accuse him of being so but this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to cast all that aside, and we're going to get to know Kenny the man today. So I want to welcome aboard this old train, our very special guest, Mr. Ken Rock Cooper. How are you? Good, sir. Kenny the Pooper Cooper.
2: We're doing good. Glad to be here.
1: Uh, and Kenny, uh, go, go ahead. Let's, let's get some plugs out of the way. Where can people learn, uh, learn more about you?
2: Well, I'm uh, one of those YouTubers that just shows random crap in my lawn. Um, I'm not very exciting. I'm not going to teach you very much at all, so don't show up to my channel trying to learn something. Uh, About all I got going for me is big equipment, big lawn. I hear they like it big. I don't know. But that's about it.
1: Chicks dig the long lawn.
2: Yep. (laughs)
1: That is really, really uh, riveting. Uh, everyone, please call Kenny while he's on here, and then your phone number was posted in the in the uh, um, in the live stream. So, uh, thanks, Gibby, for for really taking the troll drive to the next level here. Uh, obviously, everybody here has kind of an inside baseball relationship with Kenny, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, and also accompanying us tonight, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, the sports turf King, Mr. Ryan DeMay. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. And how about you? Oh man. Just how about sh- shiny you? over here?
3: Oh, you look at, you look at, I think you could drop an extra button on that shirt and I'd be just
1: fine with it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm yeah, down <laughs> two. Do I go down three? Do I go down three? Do you, I can do it. It does not bother what, me what was, to go three down.
3: When was your last peptide up to the, that chest hair? <laughs> you might be onto something. You might be onto I, something. Like hey, I don't know, Ryan. I cannot wait to dive in. You're right, Kenny. Kenny gets portrayed as a troll a lot in certain lights, but I'll tell you what. This guy, I can't say the word I want to say, but I'm going to say this guy gives no thrusts, and he is very <laughs> curious to learn. As much as he possibly can. I love it when you put those two characteristics together in a human being and give it the accent that this man has. So it's a great package. He's got a great package, I hear.
1: It is. um, And I've got to say, Kenny has above and beyond the absolute worst uh, accent of anybody I've ever heard on YouTube. And I say that lovingly and adoringly. It It is horrific in every sense of the word. And it freaks me out and makes me uncomfortable. But you know that's that's part of Kenny. Uh also joining us tonight we have our other fan favorite and that is the green doc of Hawaii how are you ray sir
4: I'm doing good today I'm doing good today Do
1: you do you have big plans after after this or uh are you are you going to kind of take it easy and try and get some rest
4: Well uh there's there's always the after show and uh, after being horrified for an hour or two, I do need an hour or two to recover. <laughs> I, I
1: I I hear you. Sometimes I do that too. Um, there is one hell of a sticker on your uh, on your shirt there, Mr. Demay, and I two hell of a stick uh, of a sticker there, and I'm just just curious what what that one is above your uh i believe that is your right um uh testicle there nipple yes. oh
3: yeah yeah you can say nipple can't you i, I, think, I think so say, yeah. I, I don't see a problem everybody's got nipples i mean one more button we're gonna see your nipple so i think we're good <laughs> uh you know uh, let's see here i've got i got these two uh one is from our friend jay laveaux auto who was on here before who took it upon himself to do a little creative artwork. Hopefully he's copyrighted this so that, you know, one of the, um, one of the members of the cartel doesn't copyright this and then sell these stickers for $15 or something like that, because that's something that would totally take place. Uh, and that leads me to the next sticker here above my right nipple, which is, uh, I can say, we said shit the last one, so I can say shit on this one. I think that's not shitty of me to say is, is it, but if it is, uh, This is, if you can't see it, hopefully my camera can pick that up well enough. Uh, It it basically uh, insinuates, (laughs) buy my shit. Buy my shit. (laughs) Because.
0: I just saw that.
3: Yeah. So if you can't, if you don't know what that looks like, you can figure it out for yourself. But uh, the premise isn't hard to figure out because. 90% of what goes out on YouTube lawn care these days is uh, basically one of the worst paid advertisements you'll ever see, and people continue to funnel more of this into the community. I'm glad that we're here because uh, with Kenny because I don't ever feel like that is the way that he comes across, like ever, ever. I think the disclaimer that he puts out uh, in front of every one of his videos is really, really cool because it basically says, hey, I'm just a guy doing my thing. Not here to educate you, not here to sell you anything. This is what I do, right? And I appreciate that about you, sir. I appreciate your your honesty and your integrity, and uh, also too, you know, this is where Kenny gets caught up for a troll very often. Is he is on the cutting edge? I mean, literally, like I, Kenny is my go-to for uh, <laughs> the cutting edge of bullshit in in lawn care because. He, I don't know how he does it, but he has like this laser-like focus around like social media, YouTube, like all these spheres of influence that I just don't have the time or headspace to get my head around, but I know I can go to Kenny and get filled in. It's like, um, it's like the wall street journal, weekly world news and like current affair all wrapped into one for turf. That's what I get from Kenny every day. So thank you, sir, for the service that you do. Thank you for taking so many chances in your lawn that i don't even know how and why you do it, but it's fun to watch uh, because you do succeed uh, more often than not, not by luck, but I think just, you know, can you continue to learn and build your skills and build your knowledge and experience? And like I said, I just appreciate that. So I think this will be very fun. And so um, with that, you know, click, like, subscribe, whatever you're supposed to do and all that other stuff just click those affiliate links so you can buy my shit.
1: Yeah, and speaking of affiliate links, I'm uh, I'm throwing I'm steady throwing merch stuff in there, uh, uh, just to keep on that on that train. I gotta say, Kenny, you between you and another person, uh, y'all two give me the most anxiety of anybody in the uh, in the lawn care community because, like Ryan pointed out, you do such a good job of un- unpacking things from social media. In things that I wish I never saw or knew existed, uh, comments that I <laughs> wish welcome. I had never seen or knew existed, and then I get I get DM'd or text message this 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 horrific statement or comment or insinuation or story or what insert any and all of the above. And, and it just instantane like my blood pressure will go from one twenty over eighty to like four ninety over four ninety, and I feel like crackling noises in my ears and all kinds of stuff and I've got to stand up and go outside and take a lap around the yard or something and then come back in and try and decompress so uh, kudos to you sir you you really You're knock welcome. it out of the out of the park <laughs> there with uh making sure everybody is is good and uncomfortable <clears throat> or on the best. bright side of flipping out. Um, so, I was not involved in any show prep today. So, I have uh, <laughs> a hungry southerner uh, asked if I could get more chest hair involved. Look, I'm down three right now. So, it's, I mean, <laughs> if I went any further, I, I would be, Violating I don't know if TOS. I'd be wearing clothes anymore. Um. So, I, I Kenny, did you send over some, some stuff to J-Pink for everybody to take a look at? Or are we just on here hanging out? i Oh! Oh, yep. snap oh. look at this oh boy all right now we got a little bit to unpack now i gotta say just looking at it and seeing all the green on there green means good right um green means <laughs> still, go yep i still go back to ryan what, what was that where you said on the uh on the push spreader oh yeah uh, you said yeah you for grow l go- for lush
3: <laughs> yeah that's how you, you know it's two calibrations you're either g for grow l for lush or Z for lose my fucking or lose my job, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it all the way so it didn't count. It didn't count. So, uh, all right, so looking at this, looking at the soil, how long you've been working on the lawn? Can like what uh, take us through like how you went from dude that owns a home to now dude that is again, like I said, on the cutting edge of all that is right and mostly wrong in turf these days. Take us through that journey.
2: Well, uh, I've got about two acres for my backyard and front yard to of turf. turf. Uh, pretty much always just did more of herbicides, kept the weeds out, and mowed it. Then a few years ago, I got 40 semi-loads of free fill brought in because I had some low spots with the creek that runs through my property. When it would flood, I would have... <laughs> standing water and it would kill the grass off. So after getting those 40 loads of free fill, that's kind of what brought me to where I'm at now.
3: Interesting. 40, so 40, loads? I was going to say people say they have a few low spots and they go to like Lows and buy those bags <laughs> of like crappy topsoil. This is why everything Kenny does is bigger. Like you, if you don't follow him or you don't like, know him a little bit even a little bit to know that like everything he does wait till we talk about his irrigation we're not i'm going to tease that here but it's insane for you know for a homeowner even for a professional i'm i'm looking at that thing and saying man that's that's a nice piece of equipment that's large you know so i guess in taking care of two acres like what for the folks that just have like the postage stamp lawn or whatever in their yard and it's hard for you maybe to imagine on that scale, on that small of a scale, but what are some of the things that people might not think about in taking care of such a large piece of property?
2: Well, the irrigation you just spoke of is a major thing. It's not easy to irrigate two acres. Um, not then cheap cost, either. <laughs> cost is a major issue. Uh, everything is 10 times more expensive when you get 10 times land. Um, <laughs> no doubt. Your equipment, so there... you're not going to... You're not going to have a oh, two hundred, three hundred dollar push mower. You're you're not going to get a Scotts Mini out there and spread fertilizer. You're not using the Ortho hose end for it. Yeah, so it's what, a completely wait, different animal. Wait, wait, wait.
1: What are you using for it? Let's let's just go ahead and start to get weird.
2: Uh, well, Bring it, it on. on. What I'm doing, Bring but I'm, I'm guessing you want to hear about a PermaGreen for a homeowner.
5: Ah.
1: <laughs> finally you're getting some Part damn representation up called. in here is that I that's all you got to say about it you talk can. about it golly yeah, show some love to permagreen my goodness uh, i
2: i don't i i don't even know how to use the thing i get on it and it's got handlebars i <laughs> i put fertilizer in the front of it and drive around the yard what do you want me to tell you about this thing <laughs>
3: Do you spray with how uh, too?
2: It just it just makes an application so much easier. I mean, a toe behind behind a zero turn is a huge pain in the butt trying to figure out how fast you're going, where you're spreading, trying to make your turns. Permagreen just makes life so much better. For the spraying, I've got a 25-gallon boom I can put on the back of my mower or a 35-gallon boom for the back of my dad's tractor that I can use. But those are still both kind of a pain with a 10 foot wide boom getting around trees and whatnot. So the permagreen is so much nicer for that.
3: Living that permagreen life there north of the border, Matt Martin. He got it through customs somehow. I have no idea. (laughs) So, okay. We may have paid some people off on the back end. The, The Mounties, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you know you you did this soil test and i think we have a couple like so isn't this like a comparative deal like you did three different ones or three at the same time or something like that what what are we looking at here? yeah i
2: did i did uh my soil and soil savvy just because i already had them before i uh kind of learned about different types of soil tests so i never used them mm-hmm. last year when i got them so as long as i was and stuff in uh, packages to mail out, I figured I might as well send them all out the exact same time with the exact same soil and compare
3: them. Interesting, interesting. Um, so in this year, I, I the one thing, I don't know if you have, uh, Jay Pink, if you have a, a picture of his lawn this year, the ones that he's posted in spring. Uh, so uh, I thought that- Pretty much I,
2: everything's uh, last year that I sent him.
3: Okay. So there were some pictures I know you posted, uh, in a couple different places and I thought it was interesting because people were, you know, I, I have this, I think I mentioned this the other night that, um, you know, there's this whole, and Ray, maybe you can jump in here and talk to on, you know, from a warm season perspective, it's a little bit different, but, um, waking grass up like this, this, um, use of that verb, or that that phrase bugs me because it's it's insinuating that we can take fertilizer and jumpstart the grass like we're you know we're shocking it with an aed or something like that so ray is there any any physiological response that comes from a waker upper application
4: none none that are positive if anything uh If you do it wrong or if you do it in isolation of a good agronomic program, you are going to set yourself up for a world of problems. So this concept of waking grass up by pounding it with fertilizer is something that I don't like to see. You know, it's just why are you doing that to yourself unless you're a glutton for punishment and... I've actually been following Kenny, I think, for the last couple of years now, right? And I've literally seen what happens when something is not going well on two acres. Am I right, Kenny?
2: Yep, yep. Last year, you could see some deficiencies going on.
4: and i've seen when some something has totally gone totally bad on you too i've also seen that yeah, little i remember fungus now issues i have a very last good year. memory <laughs> yep i have a very good memory for that <laughs> so
3: well and that's wait, that's the thing too wait, that's a, a good wait. point about yeah yeah the yeah the the early spring nitrogen you know in loading that into the system not necessarily that it's going to directly cause um issues with you know, plant pathogens, diseases, things like that, but it's sure setting you up for being more predisposed to that. Right. Um, and uh, again, it's this idea that I, I, the thing I, I really liked about what Kenny posted was that, you know, no magical products or anything like that, just sunlight, a little bit of water, right. And some, te- and some good temps and things could take care of themselves. So I think that's. I I thought it was really refreshing to see somebody just be like, "It ain't this, you know, magic stuff that you're putting down on the ground and feeling good and warm and fuzzy about, right? It's just nature taking its course." And truthfully, too, you know, I'd love to hear about how you put the lawn to bed last year because I'm I'm a firm believer, um, you know, especially for us cool season folks, that our growing season for cool season turf really begins in September of the previous year, right? So how we finish out that year yep. and get our, our fall nitrogen down uh, and any other amendments that we need to get down nutritional or otherwise, take me through that process of what your year end, say from September through whenever you stopped applying and mowing and everything, what did that look like last year? Cause the lawn looks great coming out of dormancy. I mean, it, it really does. So I'm curious.
2: Um, it was probably about the first week of September I did uh yeah, probably second week of September, I did a uh, Anderson's thirty two oh eight at probably about point seven pounds, and then mm-hmm. three to four weeks later I did the same app again.
3: Nice, right, so that was it, huh? So just about a pound and a half out in those, you know, yep. four or five weeks in the middle of fall. That's that's banging, man. It looks good, and I think that's again yep, just a testament to doing the basics.
2: About middle of October, I did a kelp application, figured to get a little bit of less growth going into whatever roots he might lose over the winter, so they're there for spring again.
3: Did you hear that, Matt? I hear it. Roots
1: roots i know i heard it and i Slothing. almost faded for he, half a second there i was he had, a, dizzy. He, had,
3: he had a mini stroke he had a mini yeah. stroke right there i
1: saw it i saw it
3: and you and feel I the left side to of go your face put my
1: kids to bed so i could go take that lap around the backyard because the anxiety <laughs> induced that i was talking about earlier
3: so all right here, here's one other thing i want to hear about because i think this is another interesting piece and we're kind of jumping around here we'll get to the soil test in a minute but Kenny, you really got on this molasses train last year. So first I want to hear from Kenny on what prompted you to say, yep, I'm going to do that, right? Even when nobody was trying to sell you on it either, right? You know, you got fancy <laughs> products that have different names, but it's really just molasses. And then, Mr. Martin, I know that you have done some extensive uh, reviews of the research and or work yourself on uh, – molasses and the benefits it can or cannot provide so if you can follow in bookend kenny on what you see on the science side of things so kenny sure, molasses
2: um i started it right at the same time i had fungus issues i knew i was going to have extra dead material and whatnot that i was hoping to use the molasses to help it break down not so much as the thatch but just to kind of manage the extra clippings that were going to be showing up Um, I was getting a nice color response out of it. I was usually applying about 0.1 pounds of either AMS or urea at the same time with it. So after I started spraying it, it it was only about a two or three day color response. It was nothing long term, but did get a nice little pop. But it uh, seemed to help with the clippings a little bit. I was doing it every two to three weeks, about three ounces per thousand with that. This year I was going to try gotcha. to do it every two to three weeks all season long. Let's see, starting at the beginning of the season, I'll see how it goes doing it religiously. You know,
1: so That's Rick, about Rick, it on Rick, the molasses. I'll 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 kind of I'll fill in here and I'll use a uh, a summary. So this is um this is uh, I believe a I don't know if this is a dissertation, but um it could have been for Dr. Josh Weber out of Clemson and basically he put into a test here uh evaluating Earthmax um which is a a Harold's product and he did a couple of different rates of Earthmax um molasses um sand top dressing worm power was another one um and i'll just i'll kind of read the conclusions in uh, future um uh, uh r- r- research here now and before i get into that i'll i'll preface it with this that a lot of times what you'll hear that the big benefit of molasses is that you you're applying a bunch of simple sugars, which will increase microbial activity, which can have uh, all these different types of positive effects. Right? Well, there's a bit of a caveat to that is if you're applying something to feed the microbial life in the soil, number one is which of the microbes are going to be feeding on simple sugars. Um, two, is it only going to feed the good microbes or is it going to feed the bad microbes too? Um, and three, uh, is it actually increasing uh, microbial activity any greater than what just having adequate soil moisture and adequate soil temperature is? And that's really a topic for another show. And I'll go ahead and give you some inside information there is that the data all points to, um, it, it doesn't really matter what you do. It all kind of looks the same really. Um, So anyway, I'll move back into this here. And so it was two different rates of EarthMax. And EarthMax is a combination of a lot of different things, right? So uh, it's got some humic acid. It's got some beneficial bacteria in it. Um, and, uh, and this is one of those that when they do their humic extractions, they take some of that, uh, source material, uh, which is like the, the Leonardite sludge that's left over that settles at the bottom of the tank. And they introduce it back into the container to have greater, uh, they, they use the word more organic acid or, uh, uh, uh a la, what was the, the company that just sold the nutrient? Do you know who I'm talking about domain Actigrow. Um, so uh-huh. it's, it's similar in terms of the way the label reads and the contents of it. Uh, it's very similar to Actigrow, if not a an Actigrow relabel. I don't know. Um, but uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of go through this here. That um, uh, greenhouse studies yielded results showing EarthMax at the low rate and sand top dressing provided an average of sixteen percent greater root length than untreated control in year one. So. Just top dressing with sand or using a product like EarthMax at the low rate, 16% greater root length. Um, In year two, Worm Power provided a 16% greater root length than Untreated Control, Um, but EarthMax at the low rate provided a 117% greater root weight than Untreated Control in year two. No treatments provided greater root weight in year one, so we can kind of see there that year number one, nothing really was all that positive. Um, I mean, you know, 16% greater root length, yeah, that's good, but considering that um, 16 applications were made on a biweekly basis, um, that is, that's that's pretty expensive for just a 16% uh, increase in root length. That may or may not uh, actually convert into uh, an ROI that's measurable, right? Um, so then we'll move into year two. Year two seemed to be the real powerhouse because that was when worm power started working well. You got the exceptional gains out of the out of the low rate of EarthMax. Now we're going to move into the high rate of EarthMax, right? Uh, right. Uh, so EarthMax at the low rate, EarthMax at the high rate, Blackstrap Molasses reduced thatch thickness by anywhere from 18 to 30%, roughly. So not bad. Um, versus the untreated however no decrease in thatch weight by treatments was observed so it reduced thatch thickness but the weight of the thatch was still the same so um what's interesting there is that if you're consuming a smaller volume but you still have the same amount of weight the density of the thatch is still there and I think the, the, the big up for debate statement here is if you increase the density of your thatch, are you actually eliminating your problem or are you not, are you creating a diff additional sets of, of problems there? And that's, that's totally up for debate. I don't think there's a, a generalized answer there, but, uh, when I think about, uh, increasing the density of thatch, that is kind of the thing that pops into my head, um, the, uh, let's see, all treatments with the exception of blackstrap molasses provided an average of 18% root length uh, than untreated control, uh, but blackstrap molasses provided 146% greater root mass and 9% less thatch weight over the two-year study when compared to the untreated control. So uh, it did increase root mass. And again, this is at uh, 16 ounces at uh, five, five gallons per thousand square feet. Um and a nine percent uh, uh uh less thatch weight over the two-year study uh versus the control. Uh, for both years, blackstrap molasses, earth max one, earth max two, and worm power reduced thatch thickness in average twenty-six percent. Uh future research should include different turf grass types, rates, soil profiles, and other cultural practices such as various verifications or vertical cutting schedules. Um so anyway, it just it pointed to that there is there is some potential there with uh, with molasses. Now, uh, unfortunately, this is extremely high rates at a very, very dense application schedule, right? So we're saying every two weeks, you're making an application, 16 applications in a row on a biweekly schedule. That can be difficult to follow for someone like me who's, moseying around in a front yard or that could be someone uh, somewhat difficult for someone like me to be out there making professional applications and having to bill for that time and material it takes to go out there. And then third of all, and uh, it could be a typo, but what the way it's listed here is uh, we're talking to over 500 ounces of molasses per thousand square feet. I don't even have the equipment that could pump molasses at five gallons per thousand square feet that requires a whole nother set of equipment there that i just don't have access to so now that could totally be a uh a a typo and um because i saw it referenced two different rates right i saw it 5.46 and i think the other one was 546 or or whatever it was 600 something i'll have to look through it and um and and see what it was so uh, at first, when he's stating the materials and methods, that was where it was the uh, the five gallon per acre rate. And then later on in the study is where it was like in the ounces per per thousand rate, right? I'm sorry. It was five gallons per thousand rate. And then later on, it was five ounces per thousand rate. So, I don't know. Maybe Clemson is just pushing out uh, dissertations here with typos in them. But it was neither here nor there because I'm not even smart enough. Five to gallons anyway. per
3: thousand <laughs> square feet. That's... <clears throat> that's heavy.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll find this in, uh, I'll send you a, uh, a, a screenshot, J Pink, if, uh, if you want to throw this up, but anyway, needless to say is that there, there is, um, uh, how do I, how do I put this is that there is, uh, some, some trending in the right direction that you see coming out of it. Um, however, in terms of what's quantifiable, what's replicable, what's, um, uh, uh, actually going to convert into dollars and cents improvement in your pocket, that is left wildly up for debate that nobody really has the answer to, uh, especially considering that if you're already employing other management techniques to manage thatch, Um, and also, even if you're just manipulating your water schedule, that was another thing that I've started to dive into is just how manipulating your watering schedule in the heat of summer, how that actually can work towards managing thatch as well. And then what does that look like from a statistically significant standpoint between a molasses application and just something as simple as adjusting your irrigation schedule as well? So, um, I'm not going to say it's totally just, you know, smoke, smoke and mirrors kind of thing, but what I am going to say is that it really ain't doing a whole lot of what is oftentimes being promised to us.
2: I know it's not a material. It's nothing magical, but uh, Ryan's list of four products we like to apply, you know, what works, what we think works, blah, blah, blah. I I know that's one of those just feel good applications that I'm making and I'm doing it for like $6 an
3: acre. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the single digits per acre, Like, those are ones that, like, hey, if you think there's a benefit there, and I I mean, I say this, this is, oh, uh, 15, almost 20 years ago, but worked at a a really, really nice golf course that they swore by that by um, a gallon to two gallons an acre every time that we sprayed on molasses. And then there's actually a gentleman that um, moved on from there and developed, there's a, I don't even know if it's still out there, but there was a product called Mole i-m-o-l that was um molasses and a couple other things that was basically built as like a dethatch type of product right and it did pretty well in some of the applied university research that they did but nothing really ever came of it um you know to be a a big hit or anything like that but the the ones that are in that study are interesting i mean there's i've heard a lot of um anecdotal stuff about worm power so it's interesting to see it included in a study that is looking specifically at that but ray i think we mentioned this at one point or another i can't remember if it was on this show or on the show after but you know they did this research on a zoja green if you were going to set this experiment up to really get a good handle on this and given they're in you know they're in south carolina so they've got some choices there they could maintain bent grass if they had to but how would you set up an experiment in terms of grass type in the system? And this is a sand-based putting green. And obviously, that's where people are most interested in thatch and whatnot. Um, but, but how would you do it, or what would you different, do differently?
4: Well, what I would do differently is I would go to one of your standard ultra-dwarf Bermudas rather than zoysia. Because zoysia itself, as a golf tur- golf green turf is very experimental at least here in the United States you know that's for starters <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
4: so I would definitely work towards an ultra dwarf like say you know, champion or mini verde, or if we want to go try it in true the classic tiff dwarf
3: <laughs> what about tiff green can we get a tiff green in there
4: Okay, here's what I know about Tiff Green. Tiff Green is a Bermuda that is optimal in terms of vigor and health at 0.2 inches and higher. It was never intended to be cut at ultra dwarf heights because uh, Tiff Green was developed in the 1960s before we really had the ability to accurately and properly cut at one-tenth of an inch. So I find that even for myself, tiff green is an easier grass to live with at 0.2 inches. If you take it down to a tenth, uh, you just made your life harder and you should have... Renovated to something like uh, Champion or Mini Verde.
3: That's a great segue into my man Kenny Cooper here. Who I want to hear about the putting green. What what height is that? Because this one is going to give me a mini stroke. Like I, I probably need to pop a baby aspirin. Matt, cover your ears. Don't listen. What's your height cut on the putting green?
2: First off, we'll call it a homeowner putting green. This is it's, not a legit it's, putting it's green, a put- but.
3: It's the putting it. You has got a whole it. a
2: golf ball. Um last year That's I tried right. to keep it at about three eighths. I slowly oh. got it down to a quarter inch, and then the worm castings were just ridiculous. And I ended up going back up to about five eighths after that. It's sitting at about a half inch right now this year. But the idea is a lot more uh, sand. What
1: what is the grass
2: type? Uh it's an 80-20 mix of KBG and Ray. Oh boy, it's the Baron Broad turf pro blue or whatever. It's
5: not (laughs) (laughs) the. Ooh.
3: Yeah. God. That makes me feel like, I don't know, like I I I imagine that, uh, yeah, that's not it. When I hear Kentucky bluegrass at a quarter of an inch, I get the feeling of what I think it would be like to get my back waxed. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're looking at Matt's chest right now, just multiply that times two, and the pain of hearing that height of cut on—oh, you're you're keep so you, how much poet is in there?
1: My chest. What's that?
3: Oh yeah, I I said how much how much poet is in there? Is it has it invaded at all yet? So, how new is it? I just did this
2: it? last year. Just last year I did this. Oh okay. Um okay. I think I've got two two little tiny plants right now, Paul. I know I've got one for sure. Just starting to That's see good. seeds on it. That's good. Um, we'll see how this year goes. See how it looks or whatnot. I'm really thinking about changing it to bent come late summer, early fall.
3: I love it. I love it. Now, if you if you don't follow along with Kenny and some of his musings and crazy ideas, you know we we talked I think last time about you know Ray saying that you know he puts an inch of sand on you know a lot a time and i said that you know the first step there is to before you do anything else is pack your shit in your car and get ready to move out because it's probably <laughs> not going to end well but kenny wants to build a tennis court a grass tennis court and i think you say you can sell it because you know your wife was a heck of a tennis player at one time so Shh, is that still on the table was, should we make that happen gosh.
2: i think that would be uh just do it without permission she already told me no
3: so <laughs> <laughs> she rolls home from
1: work and there's Kenny you know, on the dozer. I,
2: yeah. 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 Hi, baby. I, I, I'm I out here digging I you tennis
1: court. <laughs> You're gonna love this.
2: Um, I don't know. If You're my devil's partner
3: forever, the sweetie.
2: <laughs> there's a, uh, I did. I saw, there's a Wimbledon replica in Iowa that is uh, perennial ryegrass kept at like three eighths of an inch. Are you I serious? I don't see why I couldn't do. Yeah. Look it up. There's just look up Iowa Wimbledon.
1: What I mean, it's, it sounds like a good time and I think you can do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you definitely could. Uh, and you in your climate. And I was going to say too, for the green, have you considered going POA for the green?
2: We d- I don't really have a POA issue, so I don't know why. No, I no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I'm saying grow POA for the, oh, green. I know.
2: But why do I want – I don't know why I would want to bring poa in and have it near the rest of my yard and the chance of poa everywhere then.
1: Well, you get on a good at the Fumas program, and it's not going to be a poa everywhere kind of thing. And you just focus on keeping your your green at 100,000. I mean, you're talking – I'm ultra low high to cut there, and you can get some Mm. real ball speed.
2: I think I can only mow down to an eighth inch with my mower. I'm not sure what the lowest I can go.
1: Well, Kenny, right, but you don't need to go toys. any lower. Do you? You you, you need you need uh, you need to go get something that where you can take that down to a 100, or 125000 nah. and rock and roll. We'll see about that. Oh, hell, an eighth an eighth of an <laughs> inch is 125000 isn't it? Yeah, that is yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. There you go. It yeah is. that's plenty it low. Is,
4: yeah, is. you're good. Actually, I just said Kenny sent... wanted to be nuts. He he should uh-huh. go to like sub one tenth. <laughs> Sub one I mean, if or I
2: could to just crazy. put concrete down and paint it green
3: <laughs> yeah that might be well, it be really there pissed it the is. worms off then I'm just going to crawl out on the concrete and die and then you're going to have to scrape them up with a shovel you're still going to be fighting the worms no matter what yep. so the uh, I, I don't know the uh, I'm still waiting there's I know there's been some folks on the lawn forum that have used um two putt which jpink I just sent you a pdf if you screenshot it or open that up but so two putt is uh, a commercially available variety of um, annual bluegrass but it's it's a perennial plant so it's poa annual variety reptans right so that means that and when they isolate these uh, plants out and breed them that they're coming from plants that perennially live which I mean is a lot of poa actually it's not people think of it as an annual plant, but and and it is in a lot of cases, but especially in closely mown areas and things like that, like it continues to uh, propagate and never really dies. And so they isolated these out, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 years ago and Penn state was working with it. And then I'm not sure if seed reach if seed research of Oregon picked it up or if this is a different uh, cultivar altogether, but yeah, you can actually buy a uh, commercially available poa annual seed. So, Kenny, if you want to be avant garde, <laughs> if you really want to be the guy that everybody's just like, whoa, that guy, he's crazy. Yeah. This would be the way. That's to what do. I would think. This would be the way.
2: Yeah. That's definitely what you I would gotta, think. You got to do saw something. Like that.
3: Trying it. Hmm. All right. Talk to me into it. So Let's look at this. <laughs> let's see. There we go. See, that was an easy sell. I don't even yeah. work for Seed Research. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> if somebody's watching from Seed Research, here you go. Make sure you click that you affiliate a, link, Kenny, so I can Sega. get my, my $4 and 84 cents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all adds up, right? Yeah. Goodness. All that's right. A, so two beers. That's like eight keystones, dude. So, all right, <laughs> let's go back to the soil test. Cause there was some interesting things on there that I saw that definitely, um, caught my eye. So, First off, being phosphorus, but again, with 7.5, I'm guessing we're picking up 30% extra. So it's still not a bad number, but uh, definitely looking a little artificially high there. It's okay. okay. Have you done any any type of pH correction whatsoever, whether through sulfur or citric acid? No. No. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean... Definitely could use the sulfur out there. I mean, a a five pound app or maybe a couple of five pound per thousand apps in the spring and the fall, maybe help you. But on two acres, again, like you're talking about some bucks here to get that done. So what, uh, I know you're a big proponent of, you you like the one, 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 and you hit that pretty hard last year. What was the product that you were using that you really liked?
2: It was uh, Anderson's 141414. It has some micros in there also. I used that. I don't know, four applications last year, I think, all at about a half pound each.
3: So if anybody's listening, if you go into like a Site 1 or an Ewing or uh, Central Turf and Irrigation or something like that and try to buy that, they will freak out on you because that's really considered an ornamental fertilizer, right? They use it in beds and for shrubs and stuff like that so a lot of times they freak out when you try and tell them oh i'm gonna buy that for turf. it doesn't it doesn't matter it, it it works just the same and it's a pretty good product so good uh good keeping your eyes out for that but what's on tap for this year what you know before you looked at the soil test what were you thinking of doing and has that changed now that you see this and before we obviously eviscerate you and your program completely right here in
2: front of <laughs> um I was thinking about alternating that along with, uh, what is it, Empro or what from Ewing's, the triple 19. Just thinking that's a cheaper product they can use.
3: And I don't know what's I was playing uh, on What's downstream them. from this creek. Wait,
1: wait. <laughs> Whatever's you, you, you said you're going to alternate a triple 14 and a triple 19? Is that what you said?
2: <laughs> well, the triple 19 is much cheaper.
1: So you just – about $20 gotcha. a bag. You balance yeah. the cost between the well, two. Yeah, yeah, so okay. you know, so
3: we're not as good
2: of we're a product, going... but
1: Is it? Yeah, Is it not like... as
2: good of a product?
1: How do you know well, that? How it's... are you quantifying it not being as good of a product? Let's let's hear your well, quantitative analysis.
2: Um I'm pretty sure it's MOP in it. Uh, so good. The story, urea good the uh, Andersons has AMS and urea. So hey, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all the grass it doesn't hey, know the difference between NP and K, but
1: well, you've got you've got you've got high pH soil, so no, I mean, I, no, I dig it. I smell what you're stepping in. Makes sense.
3: Yeah, you know, because, it's it's uh, like standing in the. In, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, that's
2: if that's I remember all I got.
4: Right, <laughs> rightly, uh, Kenny and I actually looked at the labeling for the Andersons product, and I think I told him. Kenny, I know this isn't labeled as turf fertilizer, but get it and start using (laughs) it. I literally told him to start using it because the backstory to this was he had some areas that he seeded and they were just not performing and doing well. So I had to think about what could be the missing factor and i guess what if his ground is more phosphorus deficient than what we think and looking at his soil test now uh i think i'm right because you see that 85 parts per million of phosphorus My interpretation of 85 parts per million of phosphorus, when the soil test is not run with an Olsen extraction is, I think uh, Mr. Cooper here actually has like 50 or 60 parts per million of phosphorus. And even that is not readily available to the grass, like when it's a grass seedling, for example. So that is when I told Kenny, find a good one 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 and put that on the areas that are struggling and he did it and what do you know the grass started growing <laughs> yeah, I, yeah think
2: Jay, I think this would there's be one some pictures in there where you can see that that grass is suffering sorry
3: go ahead right i no, i was gonna say i think it'd be interesting this year if you're willing to to throw out a little bit of cash and I wouldn't recommend this to many people, but you know, you're crazy. So I'll say it, right. <laughs> I, go, I like you, but you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> is maybe, <laughs> maybe throwing out and doing like a, a, a tissue test just to see as a snapshot in time of what's, what's out there. Cause you know, you do collect clippings with the Hudson stars. So it'd be kind of interesting to see um, what's in the plant. You know, it's only, again, people get that confused and think that, oh, that's, you know, what it's going to be like forever. It's an ebb and flow thing. But if you're into it and had whatever, it's probably 40 bucks, something like that to throw around, it might be interesting just to see what's out there relative to that, relative to that phosphorus number. But, you know, getting back to your point about choosing between those fertilizers, I don't know. I, I think there's, I don't know if there's any merit to going back and forth. But, uh, you know, certainly the triple 14 is a better one uh, just because it's got the it does have a slow release component. I think I sent that over to J pink if he wanted to throw it up. If not, I've got it right here. Yep. And yeah, so about 60 or so percent slow release uh, from poly- yeah, polymer coated sulfur coated urea. So, again, you're that's a high quality fertilizer. You could get six, eight weeks out of that. No problem. I feel like so, you know, between those two, it's basically the same thing. You know what? You're, you know, you're that, uh, you're that guy that's, that's standing in the aisle at the pharmacy and you're looking between Trojans and Duraskin, you know, (laughs) they're both the same thing, but, eh, you know, do I, do I really want to feel safe about this and, and not screw anything up or do I want to save that, you know, four bucks and maybe go buy a couple cans of mad dog 2020 and make this a real party tonight you know what i mean (laughs) i know what i'd do i know what i'd do i hope you do the same thing
4: i'm not finding it ryan i don't know where you sent it okay Uh, let me see if
1: i'll send it over to you listen this is i'll I'll tell you exactly what i would do and i of course i'm going to come at this from the cheapest perspective imaginable right I totally get it going out with the triple 14 during establishment, but you've got it established now. I've seen your most recent pictures. I know what you're working with. This is where I'm going to really start to make back that money I lost during establishment, right? So I'd be doing super simple stuff here two to one in decay, ammonium sulfate, and a little bit of sulfate of potash if you can find it, right? So, it may be like a, uh, what would that probably come out to? Like a 1206, something like that. And it would be a super cheap bag of fertilizer. Uh, it, it may have to be a little bit, it may be like a, hmm, I'd have to plug it in into the, into the calculator to make sure I'm right there. Maybe like a 1307, I think would keep you from having any filler in it. And I mean, you got an acre, you could you could go get a pallet of this blended up from uh, um probably a co-op near you or something like that. And I would just run that, right? You've already got your phosphorus levels up, take advantage of it and, 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 and make that money back. So I would just use primarily ammonium sulfate as my, as my primary end source. And, uh, you've got it up, you've got it established, make, make the plant itself, go find the phosphorus. that's there. It's there. And clearly we see it on a Malik three. If it's on a Malik three, that means it's there. It may not all be readily available, but you can make that plant, go find it. And you can do that by just being a little bit of aggressive, being a little aggressive with it. Right. So, uh, that's, that's personally what I would do. Uh, I, I sure as hell would not be spending money on a triple nineteen or a triple 14 or alternating a triple fourteen and a triple 19, Um, but you know, again, I'm coming at it from the standpoint that I got to make money on your property eventually and, uh, and, and, you know, blowing my budget year after year, after year, after year on the most expensive bag of fertilizer I can, while it did fill the need during establishment right now, I don't see the need for it because you're moving into year number two, it's already chooching, and all you got to do really there is just keep it there. right? And uh, if you continue to work on bringing your soil pH down with your iron levels where they are, and with your magnesium levels where they are, I mean, shit, you can make that grass green without without touching it uh, in terms of dumping a bunch of iron on it, dump dumping a bunch of magnesium on it. I mean, it can it can it's, it's going to be green. There's no doubt about it. So. Um yeah, totally ammonium sulfate, a little sprinkle of sulfate of potash, 12 13 bag of fertilizer, and just go load that permagreen up, set it to L, and just have at it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, this I think weekend that's the I am other going to advantage. Our buddy,
2: uh, I'll say this oh, week, and I am visited. going to visit our buddy, uh, Pete 1313, and I've got uh, eight bags of AMS soluble to be picking up, so I've got that part
3: covered. Nice, nice. There you go. I think on two acres, that's the one advantage you do have is that you, you can get a custom blend. And I'm sure that um, between your dad and, and his friends, I'm sure they know someplace, a co-op nearby that would do a one or two pallet minimum, right? Because they're two, those are two simple products, right? Of yep. um, AMS and SOP. And so, yeah, you maybe pay a little bit more up front and have to store that stuff, right? If it's a two pallet minimum, but you're talking about you know, for the year, probably 2,500 or 3,000 pounds total that you'll need for the yard, you know, to get a three and a half to four pounds of N out there if you're trying to push that hard. But yeah, I, that's what I'd be looking to do is try to make your life easier, right? And get what you need rather than trying to buy around what somebody has that, you know, we, people that can't buy at scale that have to just kind of suffer along with what, what's out there or what they can get. Uh, you're a little bit different. So take advantage of that <laughs> if you can okay what to so look at these Katie,
4: go ahead that uh, you know when you talk about getting fertilizers or products in bulk uh, I'm familiar yep. with yet another situation where because you have two acres you're one of those people where if you had an operation like, say, nutrient or Helena nearby, they would even be able to blend you a thousand-gallon batch of a pre-dissolved fertilizer, say, containing potassium and ammonium nitrogen in it. And you throw that in your permagreen or your, uh, or else even your boom sprayer and have fun with that.
1: And yeah. Bennett's don't, don't actually, Bennett. I'll stop you. Don't spray that out of your permagreen. <laughs> no need Put a little that more in carrier. The boom sprayer. Put that in the <laughs> boom sprayer. Yeah. But he's exactly right. We do that for a lot of people around here too, where just, you know, simple stuff that we can easily throw into a big tank dissolve and pump it into a truck and go. And yeah, it's, it's, it's nutrient,
4: cheap. Yeah. Because nutrient services like the golf courses here in Hawaii with thousand gallon trailers that have uh agronomically correct blend and they just pump that into their multi-pro dilute it down and have at it so
2: that's, that I, would be set, set up with
4: fertigation uh, and
5: uh, no no no, no, no set really? up
2: F- fertigation F- and a tote
1: No, no, we're saying literally it's just, it's, it's already dissolved. You just pump it in your, in your sprayer at your, you know, however much. Yeah. So you've got to think about it, right. That, you know, if you've got, uh, say it's, it's, uh, ammonium sulfate and you've got, you know, four and a half pounds dissolved in every gallon, then you just work into your math for your rate based on, you know, however many pounds are dissolved per gallon. Yep. Uh, do you go to conserve FS? Have you been there in, uh, Rockford, Illinois? off Meridian. Right? I have
2: not been there, but yeah, there's that there's, I've got one actually, it should be showing up as like Capron or something, I believe it's straight north of me. Also.
1: Uh, I just am looking at what they do and they, the, it looks yep. like that. That's something that they would, uh, fulfill in, in that area right there. And you, you know, I, again, I'm coming at it from from the, the cheapest standpoint possible uh, from the pro perspective, right? Cause I don't, I don't, you know, if, if you, if you want to, if you want to blow your budget and, and, uh, uh, I almost went down the wrong road thinking that way, but you know, eventually you got to be profitable or you're going to go out of business. Right. And, uh, and so this would be the year where I'd start, man, I'd be so excited to go treat your yard every time. Cause I know I'm making money every time I'm on it. Whereas last year, Every time I'm treating your yard, I'm like, if this guy comes out and talks to me and wastes one more minute of my time, I'm going to punch him in the face because I'm basically out here for free anyway. <laughs> Life of the lawn care guy. What?
3: <laughs> Life of the lawn care guy. Customer service with a smile. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, um, j can you pull up the other soil test? Because I want to see how these... If, how... What you know? What what correlates here, if anything? You know, I know basically. (laughs) My pH is way better
2: on the other ones.
4: (laughs) So there's soil. Wait a second. Wait a second.
3: Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm I'm just looking at this these numbers, and I'm like, I I I don't understand. But go ahead.
4: Yeah. So soil savvy on the top, and then uh, you said Waypoint
1: is what you used for the other. Yep. Yep. Underneath. Well, good thing you didn't go buy a bunch of boron after your soil savvy test.
2: My pH looks better though, so I'm going to use that pH level.
1: Yeah, I would definitely use that pH. Um it says you're good you in pick phosphorus. And choose you're what you critically want. deficient in potassium and Uh, you're, you're not 125 parts per million. Like I'm good there. Like I'm, I'm totally good. I'm going back to only half the amount of N I apply. I'm applying K there. I'm not going to spend any extra money on potassium if I'm at 125 parts per million and they're, they're making this recommendation. I think I saw at the bottom of it there that they were recommending four pounds of K, but they're worried about balancing that cow to mag K ratio over there on your, your base cation saturation ratio, uh, you can go to hell with that. Notice it did detect high cal and high mag. I I thought uh I thought that was that was interesting. Uh, it did correlate there at least in how they interpreted the data. But again, look at your sulfur levels. Um, I think I think twenty parts per million is is what is considered or fifteen is considered around critically deficient somewhere around there. Uh, and they said uh they said you were good. You had excess sulfur. Uh, however, your your waypoint lab said nah nope. Not at all. And, uh, also it shows you have no iron, right? Uh, you have less than one part per million of iron, uh, which you fall out of their recommended category. But again, we do a Malik three here and we see you have an exceedingly high level of iron in your soil there. Um, yeah, I mean, when you compare these two, and so I, and I want to make this clear right here that when when you, so Soil Savvy is going to be very close to the MySoil test. They're both iron exchange resins. There, there's um,
2: one of those I, in there too.
1: <laughs> oh, there is? Oh, good. I can't wait to see yeah. that also. Um, <laughs> and, and when we say you do not get a complete picture out of a Soil Savvy test or a MySoil test, that's exactly what we're talking about. So <laughs> look at here. It says you're, you're critically low in, in iron, right? Well, we know that not to be the case at all. It says you're critically low in potassium. We know that not to be the case at all. Your phosphorus levels, oddly, it did seem to pick up somewhere around there. Um, uh, it did not detect any boron. Uh, we know that is uh, not the case. It says your pH is optimal. We know that's not the case. So, I mean, there's when we're when we're looking at this and when we talk about how there that there's a reason why not just us who are in the panel right here. Uh, agronomists and turf managers across the country uh, rely on test methodologies like Olson, Bray, Malik 3, Malik 1. There's a reason why. It's because there is, um, and I'll go back to this, is that there is, is years of documentation there to understand how to interpret this data. There's not a gray cloud of mystery that says, trust me, when we ask how does how do we interpret your soil test data here, when when that's what's being told to you, you ask the manufacturer what do they say? Trust me. Um, you know, I've seen their interviews on the internet and it's, it's, you you know, it's our proprietary technology. We figured it out. It's proprietary, but we can promise you that if you follow what we do, it's going to work out for you. Well, that's great. And I, and I, I believe that a little bit of trust can go a long way, but it has to be earned. Right. And I think if you're going, if you expect me to be accepting of your, your olive branch in, in, uh, welcoming of your trust, that there has to be some sort of give here, um, and, and, and correlation between the two, that would make sense. I mean, we're off by 0.7 logarithmically, logarithmically on our, uh, on our pH, which ain't good. I have no idea what your mycel pH is, but, uh, it said it was optimal and we know that not to be the case too. So clearly that's not accurate. And, uh, and that should be one of the most accurate things you have going for you there. Uh, And we look at your micronutrient load, it says it's basically non-existent. Well, if you've got high pH, that actually makes sense, but they're saying you have optimal pH, so it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, It says you're critically deficient in potassium, and we know you're not critically deficient in potassium. You're actually adequate in potassium, so it just none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense. So when we look at these tests and we say... It, it, it's fine and we can make a generalized recommendation based off what this te- test, test tells you. In reality, what we're thinking is, is, what in the, is, what in the hell are we looking at? What are we actually looking at? What is this data that's being presented to us other than a bunch of randomness, really? Because when you're only figuring out what's dissolved in water, you're not actually figuring out what the plant is utilizing from your soil.
3: No question, away. and Ray, Ray, I just want, Ray, I want you to touch on one thing, is how, when they look, when you look at these ranges, and then you look at the results, and then you look at the ranges, which you know to be true, on the generally accepted methodologies, is there anything that stands out to you on how these numbers were conceived? Because again, I think the data set, it, it there's no way it could be there anywhere close to what a Malik 3 is, right? It's got to be really really generalized and then extrapolated out to fit a whole bunch of different situations whereas as Matt so eloquently put there are metric thrust tons of data on interpretations for Malik 3 for Bray for Olson Morgan Malik 1 all that stuff so how do these numbers jive in terms of the ranges of the sufficiency ranges that are suggested they don't
4: they don't and I have my biggest issue with the ion exchange resin type testing is the fact that you have soil that is saturated with water. No, turned into a saturated, you know, paste solution. And from the time you take that sample, put it in their sample cup and screw down the lid and put it in the mail, that, Soil is then in contact with water for an indefinite amount of time. And in that indefinite amount of time, you have the issue of reduction oxidation type reactions occurring in that soil water solution that can go either way. And my evidence that you do have redox going on is the fact that why doesn't the pH that the soil savvy tests arrive at agree with the soil pH that Waypoint got That is my e- evidence that some kind of a oxidation reduction reaction occurred and when you have redox moieties yeah when you have redox occurring then, Cations and anions that are normally not available become available. And then likewise, the ones that are available then become unavailable. So the numbers go all over the place. And I would have preferred, for example, if the soil savvy lab said, send in your soil dry We'll take it in dry and process it according to our methodology and have the soil in contact with that ion exchange resin for a determined and calibrated amount of time. I would prefer that, but because that's not being done, uh, I can't speak to the accuracy of the soil-savvy test result. I can't.
3: In that case. In that case, then, and I'd be interested to hear both of your thoughts on a, an actual saturated paste test, right? Because we can do that in a lab, and it's you know forty to fifty dollars, you know, generally speaking. And there's a, there's a an actually uh, or an actual methodology for that. Do either of you see value in that? And then that would be my question: is why? would people go with a soil savvy or something like that? Again, not talking bad about them, but you know, choices in the marketplace, right? Trojans versus Duraskin, right? Mm-hmm. If I can get a better result with a generally accepted method that I can get from several different labs, what what, why would I go with the other one? I don't know. I, I'm just curious on your thoughts on the saturated paste test, what it can provide and if there's value there. And then secondly, like, is there any reason to choose one of the other?
4: I think it's all marketing, Ryan. I honestly think it's all marketing because your average person doesn't even know that a lab like Waypoint even exists. Whereas uh, you, everywhere you look, it seems Someone is advertising my soil. In fact, uh, I think I saw a YouTube ad for it even the other night. I even saw a YouTube ad, so I know it's out there. But my issue is with the saturated test is the fact that plant roots – they have a certain ability to mine available nutrients and the way they are able to do that is the root hairs will exude small concentrations of what's called organic acids that can solubilize cations and anions in the soil for uptake. So a saturated water Pace test, to me, is literally only good for pH determination. That's the only time and place that I'd actually use a saturated paste test. And that is because a saturated pace test done according to a time limit, like, for example, no more than one hour of water contact time with the soil is an accepted procedure for determining ph of soil so everything else you know to redox
1: (laughs) the in the the years i've done this um which again i've been on the lawn care market how many saturated pest paste tests have i have i taken zero um it's just well first off if if you understand agronomics at the most foundational levels, um, getting nutrients into a plant isn 't necessarily a very difficult thing to do um, now, where you can start getting into nuance would be more so on the agricultural side of things of timing of specific surpluses or uh, adequate levels of of nutrients in plants right where and that 's why they 're doing so much tissue testing there is because. You know, having an appropriate amount of boron in the plant at a critical point is the difference between a 300 bushel an acre harvest and a 280 bushel har- acre in harvest, right? In turf grass, that's not what we're going after, and therefore, you know, if if we need more boron in the plant, well, it's because we have a limited supply in the soil, right? And and you know, you can you can thrust nutrients into the plant r- these days so easily. It's so, it's so easy. So, what I need in order to make a determination whether I'm going to spend the money on it is to know whether or not it's even there. Because if it's there and I don't have to spend the money on it, that's fine. I can have kick-ass grass without blowing my budget on it. Somebody commented here that soil says they simulate a plant tissue test by using your soil. And I would say it's something similar to that of sort because you're measuring what goes into solution with water right and di water and then like Ray says what whatever redox potential occurs there from being in a uh, um, in anaerobic conditions for a uh, an extended period of time time to travel you know whatever the, it takes from the point that you collect your sample bottle it and actually get it sent over there right that's uh, that's that's when the, the the redox starts to kick in and You'll see acidification and oxidation and all kinds of weird things that happen there. That is going to skew the the different types of results that you have, um, and it's just when it when it when it comes to turf, you know, call me crazy, but uh, in the in the the tens of thousands of acres that I've managed over the years, um, never once have I ever needed. A tissue test i've taken a few tissue tests just to see what 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 it looks like did it make any difference did i did it did it, it did it alter my application regimen no because if i've got a deficiency in the soil i know how to make that adjustment to get that nutrient into the plant nutrient uptake is not a difficult thing to figure out right if you work with you know kind of move back into into this wheelhouse and um If you work with the right formulator, it should never be an issue to get material into the plant. The majority of the time when you're struggling to get nutrients into the plant is because you're using the wrong derivatives or, um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. You're using the wrong derivatives um and you're not managing things like pH or even the pH of your solutions or the pH of your fertilizer when it goes into a solution or mixing phosphorus with a uh, uh with a non-protected micronutrient for example that is going to blow things up for you and cause uh uptake problems so as long as you understand the foundational agronomics of how nutrients are protected then you can solve the issue of getting nutrients into the plant and it makes anything that you're looking at from a paste saturation test or a tissue test uh, pretty much obsolete and just not really all that necessary, in my opinion.
4: Okay.
3: No, and I think at the higher levels. Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead.
4: The only time I've ever seen tissue tests becoming valuable is... When you are keeping a golf green on the basement of MLSN you see you're walking the line between starvation and the grass existing. That's when I've seen people benefit from a tissue test because They need to know when they've actually taken it too far versus, you know, me even, or Kenny, where what we care about is, is our grass nice and green and maintainable and sustainable? Answer is yes. No problem, carry on with our existing program. Uh, Answer is no have a look at our soil test and see where we're deficient or in excess. It, it gets very simple. Actually, I think
3: it's all, it's all about the, the interval or the, the temporal piece here. Right. Fellas. Right. right? So like if, if I'm going to do a Malik three, I've got pretty good ideas on one, especially from just the soil sampling side of things, how that number is going to fluctuate throughout the year, right? Relative to my inputs and then the uptake from the plant. And that's been, um, made even easier by uh, incorporating growth potential model, right? And using that as a tool to track some of that stuff, right? And the big driver there is in all of this is N, right? So we haven't talked about that yet. We'll get, we'll get back to that in a second, but, As you get down into these um, tighter and tighter windows of of temporal space, right? So like a tissue sample is only going to be good for that day or that hour, right? Or that minute, unless you're going to sit there and, uh, you know, continue to change up your, your fertility program based on what you see from those on a every... Say two to seven day, and that's you're you're right, Ray. You're absolutely right in golf courses. They're doing that on putting greens. I mean, there's no question. There's there's a a subscription service out there now, and folks do really well with it. They swear by it, but uh, that's based around that whole principle of that they are sampling every two to three days and making adjustments and making applications every two to three days based on the data they get back.
1: Right? Hey, hang on, real so, quick, Ryan. So. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. I'll let you get back to that. Um, so sure. Gerald Moore in the chat said, uh, "Is it at least a good thing that beginners are attempting to soil test rather than just dump a, a bunch of product on the lawn? So why shit on them for trying?" And I get where you're coming from here, Gerald. But you're looking at this with a really narrow window here. Uh, yes, it is good that people are soil testing and attempting to do the right thing. The 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 reason we're not shitting on them for trying, what we're trying to point out is that. What we just looked at with Kinney's two tests between a soil savvy and then a Malik three test was that the soil savvy was recommending him apply a whole bunch of shit. That's not necessary. Uh, he's literally just dumping products on the lawn. If he fo- followed his Soil savvy test versus what's actually in the soil. The K is not correct. The pH not, is not correct. The micronutrients aren't correct. The su- uh, sulfur isn't correct. So, you know, it's, it's great. Yes. That, that he took the initiative to go get the test, but why? Go spend $30 on a test that's going to lead him down the path of literally just throwing shit at the lawn and seeing what sticks, right? And then being stuck in this perpetual cycle of not exactly knowing really what's going on. Can
3: I ask a question real quick from from all of you folks? Sure. Which fertilizer company or manufacturer is Waypoint aligned with? Which <laughs> fertilizer manufacturer is uh, Brookside Labs? affiliated with uh spectrum <laughs> analytics um i mean analink logan Great labs. lakes logan labs logan uh, waters
2: what's above your right nipple, yeah. ryan
1: so it's hair it, and it, then it's... the sticker <laughs> So, uh, you know, Gerald, it's not, it's not, we're not shitting on anybody for trying. It's, you know, and I'll, I'll recap this for you because clearly you've never heard me say this, that really what it comes down to for, for people that do this professionally. So I'm talking about Ryan DeMay and I'm talking about Green Doc and to me to an extent is, is that it's all about preservation of the industry, right? And the more that we continue to uh, put out information that is not applicable in the real world, In the event people start putting a a high or a strong eye on what we're doing, and they look at the fallacy of what exists out there at the marketplace, it brings down the overall credibility of the industry. And that creates problems for me, that creates problems for Ryan, that creates problems for Ray, uh, because we depend on this day in and day out. And we depend on the longevity of this industry in order to be able to provide for our families. And so... What we want to do is share the most accurate information that we can possibly share and we make mistakes and we don't know the answers to everything. And, and that is, I will be more than happy. I, I get asked a dozen questions a day that I have no idea what the answer is. And, and it's totally okay. We're not here to have all the answers and we're not here to say that you're wrong and you're doing that and you're doing this. But what we are trying to do is, is point out the fact that there's a reason why we choose the things we choose, the tools we reach for, we reach for. And it's because it's all about preservation of the industry and the long-term viability of the industry. And so exactly like you were saying of just, you know, somebody throwing random shit at the yard, that's what we're trying to overcome. That is a big, huge goal of ours is that people stop doing that. So, uh, and he, right, here we go. It was fine last year when they were suggesting carbon earth products last year though. No, it wasn't. And I actually brought that up and let me tell you, um, uh, soul savvy or not soul savvy. Who was it? My soul reached out to me and actually brought that up and was like, you keep continuing to talk bad about me, even though we sell so many of your products and that's a problem. And you know what I said, I told him to fuck off is, is how, is how I left that. And, uh, and that's, because hey. that's the kind of guy I am. And, and really when it comes down to like, look, I am so glad Carbon Earth is gone because it's one last thing I have to focus on because I didn't agree with that. I did not like the way Carbon Earth products were being recommended in that light. And unfortunately, when there's uh, 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 money people involved that have more money than I do, I get forced into a lot of situations that I don't agree with. So now that it's gone, I don't have to worry about that. and I can speak pretty freely. So... No, if you go back and actually listen and you listen to the Turf up radio shows that I was doing at the time, I shit talk my soil probably worse than I do now, with less sensibility and less um, a, a filtering that goes on. So anyway, that's where I stand on that. I didn't like it then. I still don't like it now because when it when our overall motivation is making sure that we are not throwing random shit at the yard Soil Savvy or my soil is not doing anything to protect that, or it's not enough to protect that.
3: I'll say this to to just put a capstone on this and to also kind of dovetail back into our guest here is that um, good agronomy does not have a logo or a label, but you will know it when you see it. And Mr. Cooper does the right things. He's trying to do it the basics. He's trying to do the fundamentals right. And, and you know what? He's able to live with it too. I mean, that's the other thing too. I think that's so tough for all of us in this is to manage your expectations to whatever they need to be, right? Sometimes it needs to be at a 10. Sometimes it needs to be at a five. And I think the, the, probably the best thing is that Kenny has managed his expe- his own expectations really well. He's always trying to take a little bite to get a little bit better rather than trying to take these huge leaps and that's that's probably the same thing to do but you know the only other troubling thing i heard in this whole exchange was that green doc had an ad that came up from my so they have infiltrated his algorithm but you know what i got to thinking about that as as you were talking there is because of all the tinfoil hat turf tomfoolery that uh kenny gets into can you imagine how just uh thrust up this dude's algorithm has to be, and how many just ads for blatantly terrible shit have to come <laughs> into his inbox, his Instagram feed, everything on a daily basis. Kudos to you, sir, for being able to filter through all that and just rise above the noise. Kudos to you
2: Well, you just got to remember that magic isn't real. there is no magical products.
1: <laughs> magic it, is magic not real, is an right. illusion, right yeah.
2: So once you figure out that there is no easy button and nothing magical about any of this, it's really easy to sift through the BS.
3: Somebody asked on the chat here, Matt, boy meets lawn asked thoughts on Lebanon turf. Is it Lebanon or Lebanon?
4: Uh, either. The, uh
1: the... I don't know. I'm back and forth, but I'll say that of any of the manufacturers out there, Lebanon is probably one of my absolute favorites. Um, Mesa is probably my favorite technology on the market right now, um, and has been for the better part of a decade uh, that that I've used it. And I just, yeah, Lebanon is probably top dog to me.
3: Give me some of that Methex and Mesa is good too, but Methex is, you know, that's my jam. Nah, I'm, me all, I'm all
1: Mesa, baby. I'm all Mesa.
3: I I'll, I'll use Mesa all day long, but Methex. So again, we're talking about nitrogen sources. So back to this for Kenny you know, yeah, you can be simple, but on two acres, the other thing that you might look at, if you weren't in, in the same situation that you're in of having, you know, the equipment that you do and the, the time that you're willing to invest and, you know, taking your kids out there and doing the the yard work and all that cool stuff that you do, you know, say somebody had two acres and they only wanted to make, uh, you know, two or three apps, right. Because it's like, oh my God, this is so big. I don't want to, you know, bite off more than i can chew and in that case that's where some of these other these slow release technologies i think could be applicable so in that sense you know let's just flip the script here for a second gentlemen and think about this if if we were only going to make say three four apps maybe on this two or three even what would it look like and what what kind of slower release products would you be using again in, in kenny's climate and say that midwest great lakes you know even going in towards the northeast kind of climate what what would you be looking at
1: i can i can answer this real easy so it would be duration 90 ammonium sulfate sulfate of potash uh, and i would probably be targeting somewhere around three and a half pounds in and a pound and a half two pounds a case somewhere around there Uh, and then I would, if, 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 uh, yeah, and that's it, that that's exactly all I would do.
3: Ray, do you want to quickly explain the difference between say a methylene urea, you know, which is really popular with Scott's and the Anderson's they they've really, uh, and Lebanon uses a lot too, obviously with meth but maybe the difference between a methylene urea and a duration 90 type product or a Harrell's Polyon or something like that. Coke Polyon now, but whatever. You get the drift.
4: Okay. Your mesaline ureas are the entire urea granule or particle is actually urea reacted to form an insoluble or less soluble plastic-like material that needs heat, moisture, and microbial activity all altogether to break down and become available nitrogen again, whereas your polyon or your duration-coated granule operates mostly on water absorption and then diffusion of that urea outside of that plastic via osmosis. And the coated granules can literally be made to last I think up to 180 days and the way they can do that is by making the plastic coating on that granule extremely thick. It can be done. However, in the case of fine turf that's lower mow, your mesaline urea and your Mesa type products, for example, or your Messex type products are more appropriate because those products can be formulated into extremely small sized granules. Like, for example, Kenny, you know, your small little putting green in front of your house? Yep. That would be an area where a polyon or a duration type granule would not be a very good idea because. Your mower would probably pick up all of those big plastic-coated beads and either cut the granule open, releasing all of the the nitrogen, or else it would all end up in your grass catcher and be totally gone with the first mow. whereas those little meshex or urea type Scots or Andersons-type granules are about the size of sand, so... Chances are those granules will still be there after you mow. So yep. yeah, that that area's only up,
2: ever seen granular one time.
4: <laughs> okay, but to sum up, your polyon or your duration type granules are actually of an extremely good fit for a larger area that's not being as intensively maintained. So say you told me that I don't have a really good spreader, I don't have a permagreen, I don't have a tractor mount, so every time I have to spread fertilizer, it's going to kill me. Then I tell you, put down duration in the the spring, and then put down duration in the fall again, and that's about it. Because I don't want to kill you. <laughs> but because you have the cool toys, you know you have options as far as the kind of fertilizers that you can use. Yep. Yep.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting experiment on acreage, right? Is like to go out with a, a duration 90, like Matt's saying, on, on higher cut turf, you know, or a methylene urea, you know, go out there right after Memorial Day maybe. Get yourself a big app out there, like pound and a quarter, even a pound and a half, let that ride and then roll out there, you know, again, kind of do the, the Kenny Cooper fall program of mid-September, mid-October, you know, give it a, you know, a a shot of, you know, two thirds to three quarters of a pound and you're done. I mean, that's, that's your program for the year. You know, supplement P&K is needed, but that's your end program. And again, that is what's going to drive the bus on all this stuff. Everybody gets caught up on correcting deficiencies and, and this and that. And, um, you know, it, I, I don't want to... There's, there's one product in particular that comes to mind that that is marketed in a certain way to help yourself out of quote-unquote bad situations, but it's even a poor choice from the derivatives like Matt mentioned, and then also just the way that it's trying to pull um, people into thinking that that is what that that's going to be the cure all for bad situations. And so again, it just hard to overstate, you know, how much of the marketing and everything that goes into it. But um, yeah, I think Kenny, if there was a place like, you know, whether it be at your, your dad's house, you know, nearby there, or if there was something else that somebody wanted you to take care of but maintain a little less intensively it might be an option of looking at some of those slow release products and just maybe doing a test and flying your drone over and getting some side-by-sides or something like that of hey here's what we did you know like i said a pound and a half or pound and a quarter of the slow release product all the way through the summer wrote it out to the fall and did one app or two apps or whatever and let's see if there's a difference just visually you know just visually yep. and uh i don't know i think on acreage that makes sense a little bit if you, if you don't have the time or wherewithal to get it done?
2: For myself, personally, on my yard, uh, any kind of slow release scare me a little bit, because my creek could flood at any time. So I try not to put anything out Appreciate there that's going to hang out for very long.
4: Oh, um, okay. It's typically Appreciate. spring
2: or fall. J-Pink's got a couple pictures of it totally underwater in there somewhere. But uh, okay. it will... It's typically only spring or fall, but it could flood at any time. It flooded last year minimally in the middle of summer, and that's when I ended up with fungus problem.
3: I'm so. sure that was fungus, pal. Thank you. Your, yeah. thank you already had <laughs> syphilis.
2: Okay, That's what it looked like. And
4: yeah, there's when it floods. A... Okay, this raises oh, a super good point. In that, you see that, uh Ryan, Matt? Mm-hmm. This is the kind of stuff that can happen in Hawaii at any time of the year. That is why I'm generally not a fan of people throwing down, say, a pound and a half of slow-release nitrogen or whatever, four times a year and calling it their fertilizer program. What if this kind of flooding happens right after they just threw down duration?
1: Nothing good. I'll tell you
4: that. And the granules float and they go straight into a waterway. Because, you know, I was totally overjoyed when Kenny told me that he had the facility to either spray on two tenths of a pound of nitrogen or else a half a pound of granules at a time and do that all year long as needed i was overjoyed
3: (laughs) really there's a couple couple questions in here about you know is sulfur coat you know is it not okay to do that in bag clippings and then do slow release products get sucked up and shredded by the mower? And break it up so it's not slow release anymore. Yeah, that can happen, but uh, it's not likely. It's much more likely in like a real mode setting where you're you know, uh, half inch or less, I'd say. That half would be the inch or lower yeah, most, or...
2: most or aren't gonna have that kind of suction. No. No,
4: no. If so if you're mulching and you're mowing relatively high, then you don't have the problem of the granules getting sucked up into the mower and getting chopped. But then irregardless of that, I know you don't have control necessarily over when you're gonna have spring or fall flooding. You don't have exact control over that. So I I really have to praise you for being mindful of that and thinking about what you're applying. I mean, I really got to praise you because here is an example of somebody that is actually looking out for the bigger picture and helping to keep the concept of lawn care alive because if Kenny didn't care and he just blasted out duration you know three or four times a year and then later on the authorities found okay we have excessive nitrates in the water or whatever what does that do to us as an industry right what does, what does that do to us <laughs>
3: No. And that's, uh, that. Uh, I I will say the same thing that, you know, kudos to you for being mindful of, you know, not only just what the turf needs, but, you know, managing your property correctly. Right. And so it, it you know, you probably have something that's a little bit more unique, but probably nothing that's uncommon for sure in the groups and, and folks that watch us. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal right now in many, many areas, right. From, uh, you know the Chesapeake Bay over into Ohio, up into uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, you know, different parts of the Midwest where fertilizer going into waterways has created uh, a big, big problem for professional applicators. And not necessarily that it is all us creating that, but again, anything that folks can do to be mindful of that and 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 make good choices when it comes to you know product selection. You know, there's the the there's a group out in Iowa that's kind of like a, a nonprofit educational group and it's it's called nutrient stewardship group. And their things are the four R's, right? So the right product, the right place, the right time, um, and the right rate. And those four things, if you nail that, it's, it's pretty hard to screw up, you know, to what Matt said. So I'm glad you're thinking of that. And and it's something that gets often overlooked and that's where we are collectively we get ourselves into trouble so so with that i mean is there any what what other questions do you have for us kenny we've we've babbled a lot and talked over you and we haven't even roasted yet but i'm sure that's coming <laughs> if you are a subscriber if you're a subscriber this is the only bms thing i'll do here I'll, I'll i'll show out matt martin and his grass factor channel here for the all pro turf group but uh if you are a subscriber there will be a fantastic review of of uh, very minimally of Kenny's work, right? But of many other works in the after show. And boy, I can't wait. I say that with all sincerity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I don't know that I really have any questions. Uh, I think I've got the basics covered. You know what I mean? There's still so much to learn. I mean, NPK, no water, no and mow doubt. it
3: but uh, I like your approach. I like your approach. You're 80% of the way there and the rest of the 20% you figure out what, and pick out what you want to get into. So I I've yeah, got a better L. L. question 20% for you. The the hard part. It it yep. always is. Yes. It always
1: is. It's it's a, a never-ending life quest. It, no, mm-hmm. it
3: is. And then the last 5%, right? That's the that's the one that like you'll literally die trying to get. But here we all are. That's what Matt and Ray and I amongst others here that do, you know, do for a living is trying to chase that last 5% and fail more than we succeed, but you know, it still looks good. But in the, in that sense, um, if you could nominate somebody to sit in this hot chair, because we're, you know, we've, we've got a good list of uh, candidates here coming up, but you're plugged in, you're a mover, you're a shaker, you know, who's got it going on and you know who we should talk to to come and sit in the hot seat. So if you could nominate somebody and and I know that you're going to be completely honest, you don't sugarcoat anything. Who would you want to sit (laughs) in this chair with us?
2: Oh, to see somebody else on this show. (laughs) Put me on the spot here. Um, I know that's the point. Yeah. Nope. No, I know. I really got to think about this. S- somebody no affiliate links nothing nobody's going to try to sell anything on this show i mean that took away some
3: oh, of the people anybody anybody if you want to um, see would, somebody that that go for i honestly for you
2: it. guys out there that uh i think they're heading down the right path and could learn a little bit more that you know they're they're right there i i'm going to nominate two people i'm going to say jimmy lewis or justin the lawn Whisperer those would be both of my two. They're, they're growing channels. (laughs) A lot of people watch them. They're uh, trying to educate people. And I think they could further their own education too, as long as they're going to educate other people. So those are my two nominations.
3: We will definitely look into that. Definitely. Because yeah, I think you're right that there's a lot of folks out there that are putting out a lot of things and, I, I think at the end of the day, we just want them to be as correct as they can. You know, we 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 try to take as much of the opinion out of it as possible because they're, you know, when again, when it comes to good agronomy, uh, there's not really a whole lot of opinions, right? There's different ways to do things, but from the sound science of of what we know is true and right, there there really isn't a whole lot to disagree about there. So. With that, I'm I'm gonna wrap it up and just say thank you for coming on. I think it was a, a a tremendous treat to have you on here. I can't wait again. Can't wait for the after show, the show after the show <laughs> with Kenny Cooper. Unfiltered, it's gonna be lit, folks. Nope, Absolutely lit. And let me tell you what, there is no shortage of like literally. You know, we started the show off. I don't know, four, five, six weeks ago, whatever it was, and there was a drip of good content that would come out every now and again of like, Oh, Hey, we should, we should probably check that out and, you know, just go through it, you know, give it a once over, make sure it's good. And now it is like the Mississippi river Delta in spring, boys and girls, there is a constant flow. We can't even stay afloat because there's so much crap coming down the river and I can't wait to catch it all. I can't wait. So with that, again, I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being curious. About your your turf and your grass and your lawn. Uh, thanks for involving your family too. For those of you who don't know and don't see uh, Kenny's videos or follow him uh, on our little group on the Discord, um, you know he really takes a, a a big approach to trying to get his kids involved. And whether that rubs off on them in any sh- way, shape, or form for them to take pride in it now, in it later, or just have some good memories, I really appreciate that about you. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and keeping it real, man.
2: I'll, I'll throw this in there where you're talking about my kids being involved. Uh, the last drone shot I had that showed my grass coming out of dormancy and whatnot, sitting in the chair with Jax, he was looking at the picture and starts complimenting the neighbors saying, oh, they're, they're really starting to do something with theirs. It's starting to look pretty good. And then calling out the next neighbors, going, all oh, theirs doesn't look very good at all.
5: Yeah, I I, oh, I, no, I an, oh, no.
4: Oh, no.
3: I, I got an... And uh, an eight-year-old that goes on site visits with me and tells me "Oh, hey dad man this field needs some work big time like whoa huh What? all right we're working on it all right calm down we're doing some stuff all right Jeez.
4: <laughs> oh no oh no you see uh kenny i'm afraid that there's a small possibility that you are going to be creating Another green doctor to replace me
2: I'm okay with that.
4: <laughs> There's another possibility we'll have to come because visit you. eventually, but what I'm saying is that is exactly that could be me you know forty something years ago okay that could that could be me because uh at that age. I already had a fascination with lawnmowers and just, just know that I had a fascination with lawnmowers and look at what it did to me. (laughs) Oh yeah. Nope. It's nice having them out there with you. Yeah. Yeah. And like I told you, what's even better is the fact that you kind of like doing it. Whereas my poor father. He didn't like grass too much.
2: <laughs> yep,
4: that wasn't his thing. So I quickly inherited the job.
3: <laughs> I mean, that'll, I mean, be, you know, that'll be that'll be the the, the case in the future. That'll be any, the case in the future. Is Kenny's going to be fighting for seat time on the tractor or, this, or the PermaGreen or any of that.
1: Look at that! Yeah, get that oh, boy yeah. on right. the PermaGreen.
4: Or or oh, yeah. actually,
1: he uh, already wants to. And, it's, and it's already green, starting to Ride it into uh, the lake one good time. You just go ahead get it all out of your system and, and, and then they can fix it. And he'll it'll never happen again. And then he'll be a pro from that point forward. Kenny, great. thank you for coming on and hanging out with us. J Pink, down there in the corner, you hadn't said anything all day. J Pink, give us give it, what, what what you got for us? I see you got um, your MPK signs up behind you there.
4: Yeah, I got the NPK, and I got, got some 111. One, one. Uh, <laughs> I was just really impressed with Kenny's uh, water cannon, and we didn't even touch on that. Oh, uh, wait, wait, we got to oh, talk yeah, about let's that real look quick. At this. Let's look at this. Let me let me pull <laughs> that right. up here.
3: It's literally the Peter North of irrigation. <laughs> <laughs> this thing throws ropes, folks. Look 100 at that thing. Hundred gallons per right, so-
4: minute, gentlemen. And you're pumping this
3: straight out of the creek, correct?
2: Yep, yep. It's a three-inch high-pressure pump coming out of the creek. I'm right at a uh, 50 <laughs> psi, 100 gallons a minute. It covers about <laughs> an acre at a time. It's like a Only about a 220-foot diameter
3: circle. Are you uh, are you on contract <laughs> with the local fire department for any uh, for any grass fires? Um,
2: what in I've, the gibby
3: uh,
1: is that thing?
2: I do have plenty of fire hose and, uh, some fire nozzles to put on, under that thing. That makes for a good water fight with the kids.
4: Cool. Wow. <laughs> turn
2: the, we turn the pressure down a little bit for that, but.
3: <laughs> That's impressive. Where'd you get those from? Was that something you like you, you picked up or you inherited or wh- where'd this come from?
2: No, I bought that, uh. Because I don't know if Jay Pink wants it out there. There's a picture where I'm all dirt. There's an overhead view where I started this renovation. There was no way I'm going to drag hoses for an acre of dirt. I needed sense. something to establish a grass. I started that renovation like June 1st. I put seed down. So. Oh
3: God. I well, you know, I'd drastically say drastically cheaper than an in-ground system. If you can do this, you can build a grass. Look at that thing foul. The, the, uh,
1: the only time I'd ever seen one of those, I used to do these, uh, these horse tracks in uh, Aiken, South Carolina, big horse community there. And they would bring in like this, like super rare sand by rail car. And to keep it from all blowing away with the winds, they would irrigate this sand. And they had those set up all around the sand tracks for the, mm-hmm. for the horses. That's the only place I've ever seen that. And here, Kenny's got one in his damn backyard.
3: They. Uh, th- They'll use those on sports there, still. I know. There's the fungus Auburn, Auburn. in that picture. Oh, let's see, let's see. I know. Oh gosh, yeah, that's
2: that was right after uh, the flood <laughs> yeah, last year. Those best. are the low spots, so that's where I got the fungus. That was the only spots that actually went underwater.
3: Did you stick the Q-tip down there and make sure it wasn't chlamydia?
2: It, <laughs> it may have bad. Smelled it. It's
3: definitely bad
4: you know the, the the drug resistant gonorrhea that would be that would be terrible <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's MRSA I mean maybe there's some MRSA in that water with like the brainy the amoeba or something like that who knows but yeah that's that's an impressive rig so all I'm saying is if you if you were able to you know pull that off without much consternation then I think a grass tennis court you know when your wife comes back from a business trip or you know, no. a week at Disney World or something like that. That's that's no big deal. So, you set it up, and we'll do uh, we'll do this show from the road. We get Matt Martin out there in a lawn chair. Green Dock will be will be uh, live via satellite, and we'll we'll get this thing done. Ah, there you go. Look at this kid.
4: Some good child labor. Yep.
2: There. Yep. Washing out the spreaders, or just playing with a garden hose and a spreader, but same
3: thing, right? <laughs> It's all the same thing it's all the same thing gentlemen again thank you can't wait if you're not a subscriber there's still time still time jump in join us it's for the after ch- show
1: ch- I'll give everybody the rundown channel members the show after the show uh if you join the channel you'll see an opportunity to join the discord and uh and and the uh, in Dirty Deeds, uh, and this is all kind of backward code speak here in Dirty Deeds, there will be a link for 10 minutes and 10 minutes alone. This is not for the faint of heart. So uh, if you do not like bad words and controversial topics and all that fun stuff, then this show is not for you. Uh, it'll be up for 10 minutes, 10 minutes alone, and then it will disappear forever. It will literally disappear forever and nobody will ever see it again. So Uh, thank you to everybody who joined us on the board today. Thank you, Kenny Cooper. Thank you, Jay Pink for producing this and, uh, we'll catch y'all on the next one.